Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there. I'm Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 25 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, from the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. It has become my life's mission to destigmatize divorce and create a community around what is already a difficult time. We call it the evolution of dissolution. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks Podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, and welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report on the Divorce Sucks Podcast. I'm Laura Wasser. And I'm Johnny Rains. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know yet, the Sunny Side Up Report is where Johnny and I um, have culled the internet all week to find good stories that you guys might like that have to do with relationships, making up, breaking up, getting together, raising kids, all that fun stuff. Yes. So, and this week, I'm going to call this entire episode our fairy tale episode. Hmm. Yes, and I'll explain why in a moment. But the first one. Here's how sleep divorce can improve your relationship. Is this hmm. like a princess and a pea type of thing, Johnny? Well, you, I suppose you could have a, a, a princess or a, a pea if you really want either. But the article written by the HTV National Desk, and that's HTV, not HPV, um, at thehour.com, uh, talks about the success of marriages and couples' relationships when they don't sleep in the same bed. I see. Again, the princess and the pea. Okay, and um, our next story is, is platonic parenting the relationship of the future? This one I thought was so interesting. Yes. It's um, by Vittoria Traverso and Jake Robbins at the BBC, and it's news about the growing trend of co-parenting with someone with whom you are not romantically involved. Yes. I have, what do you think? I think it's... Are you a, in? Yeah, well, not personally, oh. but I support it. Okay. Um, as you know, a very good friend of mine um, has a situation like this where he has now a second daughter with a woman he's not romantically involved with, um, and they are co-parenting, and they ha- he has a partner... She has, you know, a partner. It's it's a very interesting modern way of doing family. I like it. I mean, basically, that's what I'm doing, except I was at some point romantically involved with yes. both of the dads. Yes. But I will tell you, it, you know, if you can make it work, like it works for us, it really does work because these guys are really good friends. Mm-hmm. We all have the same common interest, which is our kids. Yes. And because we have different social lives, including our romantic lives, there's not a lot of conflict in terms of like, I'm going away this weekend or I'm having a special night with my boyfriend. And so usually they're around not doing it at the same time. And right. if we coordinate well, we're able to really, you know, make, make it work for our kids. And so... I like it. I don't know which fairy tale this one is, but I, you know, I didn't have enough <laughs> it's time a to new, plan. It's a new fairy tale. I see. And for anyone out there interested in checking uh, this article out, you know, it's on the BBC.com. But there's also a website that is devoted to platonic parenting and connecting people who are interested in perhaps creating that type of relationship. It's called modamily.com. This is what I'll call our Cinderella story. Hmm. High-class escort Samantha X reveals the secret to getting your mojo back after divorce. You know here at the Divorce Sucks podcast, we are very, very interested in next chapters and starting again. Yes. And who better to tell us how to get back into the dating game 
than a high-class escort. Now, what makes a high-class escort, actually, I wonder? Uh, maybe you don't stand on a street corner? I guess. Okay, well, it, the article is nothing, says nothing about that. But this one is written by James Booth from Demarge.com. And it shares a few tips for making it through post-divorce sexcapades. Um, sexcapades. Yes. What are they? Well, first of all, if you're apprehensive about getting naked in front of someone new, treat yourself to new lingerie or new clothes, a wax, a workout, and a haircut. Uh, she also recommends uh, keeping your heart closed for the first few sex capades. Mm-hmm. And then she recommends you fall in love with yourself. She says, start loving yourself again before you even think about channeling your energy and time on someone new. Nice. I also have, I like to surprise you, Johnny, so yes. bring stuff in. There's two stories from last week's New York Times Sunday Style section. One of them uh, by Jennifer Miller. Yes. Is the best way to find love not an app? At live events, young people promote their single friends' merits like carnival barkers. So this happened in Williamsburg a couple weeks ago, and it was a group of 250 men and women in their 20s and 30s packed into a Brooklyn bar without air conditioning to matchmake via PowerPoint. Over two hours, a dozen presenters clicked through slides extolling the virtues, idiosyncrasies, and dating criteria of their best friends. The event called DateMyFriend.PPT was sort of like Tinder meets The Office. Some PowerPoints were heavy on startup jargon with valuation graphs of suitors earning potential or references to M&A deals, a.k.a. marriage. Others had more of a class project vibe with clip art and embarrassing duck face selfies. <laughs> Interesting. I, I love this. And I think it is a good departure from just pure device dating. Absolutely. As, but also you don't have to kind of sift through every single blind date right. and go have a piece of salmon and a glass of Chardonnay yeah. or whatever. So I like that. And then also, yes. this one by Alix, you know I love that oh. name, Alix Strauss, tackling wedding projects like a professional. Some couples are taking workshops to help personalize their celebrations. So this is couples that like do things to kind of get ready for their wedding. Right. Make your own wedding band. New York flower market tour, so you can mm. pick your actual flowers right. at the flower market. There's a flower crown class. I know I've been mm. to weddings and bar mitzvahs where there's right. a booth and they make you a crown that oh, you yes. wear for the whole wedding. Yes. So this teaches you how to do it. I don't know Lovely. that the bride and groom would want to be sitting there doing that at their wedding, but there's a cake decorating workshop, wedding vow writing. I love it. And a dance class, which I, I did before we got married. We took a dance class to do our first dance to uh, Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon. And look how well that yes. worked out. Well, 14 months later, bam, done. Thank you, Alvaro. But, but anyway. You did sashay fabulously. Thank though, you. Like, Thank you, you very you much. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Speaking of sashaying, this is a story we've been following of Wendy Williams, who uh, had gotten divorced earlier this year. Well, apparently she drops bombshell divorce admission on The View. Oh. Yes. This is written by Lucille Barilla in The Inquisitor, and you know how reliable they are. Well, what was the div- what was the bombshell? She's getting divorced. Well, yes, she's getting divorced. That's not the bombshell. The bombshell is that she, you know, so the guy she divorced got another woman pregnant and right. has a baby. Right. Um, and she There's another bombshell that comes after that? Well, she says that she doesn't want to change pampers. She wants to be pampered. I see. Okay. Big news on The View. Okay. And finally, (laughs) Brad Pitt opens up about getting sober after Angelina Jolie divorce. Hmm. This is uh, written by Erica Gonzalez from Harper's Bazaar. He talks about his experience in uh, rehab and doing group therapy, and he feels like a brand new man. Good. Good luck, Brad Pitt. Next up, it is the divorce sucks version of a Disney movie when 
we are joined by the fairy godmother of divorce and the credit queen. Stay tuned. If you're contemplating the end of your marriage, you're probably asking yourself, when is the right time to do so? Notice I say the right time, not a good time. There's really no good time to get divorced, but there are some relatively better moments than others. I mean, with the exception of totally unacceptable behavior, like he or she is beating the shit out of you, you really should pick your moment. Finding that moment will depend on a few factors, including can you afford to dissolve your marriage? Divorce and personal finances are inextricably intertwined. What each of you have, what you owe, what you both earn, and what each of you spend during your marriage is all disclosed in the process. And if you're in a marriage where there is a financial disparity between you and your soon-to-be ex, the non-earning or less-moneyed spouse can find themselves at a distinct disadvantage in the divorce process. But you have options, which is what we're going to focus on today. My first guest is the secret weapon of the less-moneyed spouse. She's a former matrimonial attorney and the founder and CEO of New Chapter Capital, Inc., which provides funding for legal fees and living expenses during a dissolution. She's also a nationally recognized divorce expert who has been featured on Good Morning America, Forbes, and in the New York Times. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Nicole Noonan Esquire of New Chapter Capital. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, and it's gross in New York and beautiful here, Thanks, so we're yeah. glad that you came. Tell, I mean, this is like so many of our listeners listen to the podcast. They go on itsovereasy.com. They read the content. They know that it doesn't make sense to hire a firm like Wasser, Cooperman, and Mandel's where I work because we're just prohibitively expensive and they frankly don't need it. But some of them can't even get the funds together to get started. That's where you come in. Tell us, Nicole, what you do and what made you get your start because this is absolutely going to be fascinating for some of our listeners. Thank you. Yes. So I used to practice matrimonial law, as you said. Um, and one of the things that I saw in my own practice is women and men coming into my office where they had a great lifestyle until it came time for divorce. And all of a sudden, the credit cards are taken out from from them. Uh, they don't have friends or family to go to. So how do they get the funds to pay their legal fees, to pay their expert costs, and even to live? For some clients, they need the reasonable living expenses. So what we do is we provide an alternative source of funding for clients going through those divorces, where we make an assessment of the total marital asset pool, and we fund uh, based on that assessment, a percentage of what their likely entitlement would be. That's so amazing. So, I mean, and again, people call my office all the time and I say, you can't afford us. Or they say, I know I would be able to afford you, but my husband or wife, whoever the breadwinner, whoever the control freak is, has turned off my credit cards, won't give me access. I can't even write you a $10,000 check for your retainer. So you come in and say, and I'm usually like, let me send you elsewhere. I don't have time to deal with how to raise your money to get divorced. But that's what you guys do. Right. And you and you assess it, and that helps them in the process, and then you loan them the money? So we make an advance for them. Okay. So you come into your office. Yes, the, the law firm shouldn't be the bank. Right. They have their thing to do. Do you hear that, guys? The law <laughs> firm shouldn't be the bank. <laughs> Let the lawyers do what the lawyers do best. Let them represent you. Let them not have to worry about how you're going to pay for them. Certainly when you have one client that is paying you and one client that isn't paying you or is behind and have a high accounts receivable. You're not as incentivized. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's what we do. We have so many 
networking events and bar events where we talk to other lawyers and we constantly say, like, we don't want to be chasing the money. We don't want that to be our job. We want somebody to come to us with the means that they have. And so often that's not available, even though we know it's there. And again, in California, it's community property state. So you know you're going to get 50% of whatever was, you know, earned or created during the marriage. But if you can't get access to it, it's so frustrating. And yes, guys, I know I tell you every week, judges frown on people who who turn off the credit cards or people who take all the money or take you off accounts or freeze you out. That's not looked upon well. But by the time you get to a judge, like how does that even happen? And it shouldn't, but that's that's so helpful to know that you guys are available. So we've heard that you're, you've are you been crowned the fairy godmother of divorce by New York Post Julia Marsh. And you're an advocate for protection of women and men, but people that don't have a level playing field, so to speak. Is that, does that sum it up? Right. We want to level the legal playing field. We want them to have the ability to have the equal representation that the moneyed spouse has. And I love this because you actually practiced family law, matrimonial law, so you saw the need for this, yes. Right. Every day I would see a client coming into my office. They would have this wonderful lifestyle and can't, until it came time for divorce. And it's the most horrible time for a lot of people, and it only adds to it not being able to have the right representation, the right team behind them. And are there certain law firms in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut that you work with, or does it not matter? So it does matter. I mean, one of the things that we look in our underwriting process is to look at the firms uh, and both sides, who the representation is. We don't take any pro se's or self-representing clients. Right. I need this money so that I can go to a spa and relax myself <laughs> for my court appearance tomorrow, but right. that I'm representing myself. Exactly. Okay. So there's certain firms with whom you like to work, and you know that their fees are generally going to be reasonable and necessary. And then what about forensic accounting? Like it, it doesn't just pay for the legal. It pays for anything that this litigant could need going through the process, correct? Right, for their expert fees. So a lot of clients, especially if it's a more complex case, will need a forensic accountant. There's also times when we'll pay for a private investigation if that needs to be done. But for the most part, um, the forensic accountants are, are something. And, and the clients also come through the forensic accountants because they too want to be paid. Sure. They don't want to work for free. Sure. If you have your house painted, you're going to pay your house painter right away. And how do people usually find you guys? So through word of mouth, uh, through we've had some uh, media recognition, New York Times, Good Morning America, divorce sucks, it's over easy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, through a lot of their attorneys, through their experts, uh, the attorneys love it too because, you know, they're getting paid. But also, as you said, if you go to a judge and you're making that application for interim support, it costs money. There's no guarantee that a judge is going to give you what you want. If you get, in, you know, in the state of New York, you get 30% of what you're asking for, you're lucky. Right. I love this. In fact, I think that if I were representing somebody that was kind of being a pig and I heard that you and your company were involved, I'd be like, oh, shit, we better get real here. We're not going to be able to bully this litigant anymore because now we've got they've got some money behind them. That's it. They have a war chest behind them. So they give them the confidence to go in. And sometimes it brings them to that. Sure. Negotiation table. Right. So, okay, tell back up a little bit. You clerked with Doug, how do I pronounce, Fasciale? Douglas Fasciale. Fasciale. Um, mentor, just a, a wonderful judge who got moved into family law. and Kicking and screaming? Kicking and screaming okay. from criminal. We thought we were going to practice uh, criminal law. Oh, you were I, already with him. I was okay. interning with him okay. and was asked to be or uh, received the honor of being <laughs> a clerk in criminal law and then got moved to family law. I loved it, and and he did not, but uh, 
Judge Fajali is now sitting in a pellet in New Jersey. So. Okay. And he swore you in. He did. And who held the Bible? My grandmother, Alice Pine. Um, she is a, another mentor for me, a very, very strong woman, as well as my mother, um, Allison Noonan, who's a very, very strong woman. And she was the first in our family to go to college. Wow. Wow. Alice or Allison? Alice was my grandmother right. and uh, is my grandmother and Allison was my mom. The, yeah. And she's the first that went to college. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, so that's when one of your proudest moments when it you got is. sworn in. And how long that. did you practice before you decided to start new chapters? So uh, 2006 to about 2011, so five years. You and it, got it. Yeah, it was during you know the housing crisis. Our, our clients, we would serve the husband, and he'd be living upstairs. The wife was living downstairs. All their assets were tied up in one property, and they couldn't get divorced. But they needed funding, and- right? All right. So I want to I want to talk a little bit because sometimes people say divorce funding or divorce planning is like that's like a dirty word in our field, as you know. But divorce funding is often necessary. I want our listeners to understand how they could go about, you know, coming to a company like yours. Do, do you guys rely on credit scores? I mean, I know a lot. If you want to get a loan, most people are like looking at your credit scores, and most people, particularly people that have not been the moneyed spouses, may not have a good credit score, or any credit score, because their spouse was always the one that was developing the credit. So how do you guys figure it out? Yeah, so that's why we're different. We get it. Divorce funding is based on what your likely entitlement is going to be. Not necessarily your credit score. While it is something that we look at to make sure there's no red flags, that you've been uh, avoiding paying creditors for years and years and years, if you haven't built up any credit of your own because you were the secondary um, card holder uh, during your marriage, we get it. Unfortunately, uh, for a lot of clients that try to take out a home equity loan during a divorce, one side, certainly the money spouse, is not going to sign so you can go out and hire Laura Wasser to to represent them. Or if both sides would sign, a lot of banks are not going to give you a loan during the pendency of a divorce. Sure. And I mean, in most states, once you filed for divorce, you've got automatic temporary restraining order, so you really can't take that money out on your own. Wow. Okay. So now- what about confidentiality? How do you how do you apply for your services without necessarily letting the other side know? So the way we work, um, the attorney files an application with us on the client's behalf, and it's not public. No, it just goes to you guys. Confidential okay. within our within our in house um, operation. Nothing that is going to be presented to us wouldn't be discoverable otherwise. So whether it's a net worth statement, a real estate appraisal, a mortgage statement, it's things both sides should know about anyway. Remember I tell you that, guys, all the time? I mean, some people come to me and they have no idea what they have or what they spend. You're going to find out he or she's not going to keep it from you any longer once you're getting divorced. So this stuff will all at some point not necessarily be made public, but certainly be made discoverable by your spouse and his or her attorneys. Okay. So that doesn't really compromise any confidentiality there. What... What do you take? What does NCC take as your share? It's just a percentage, and is that a sliding scale? So, no, it's the same for every client. What we do is we fund, um, we work with the attorney to provide or find out what the amount, the maximum amount they're going to need to get from point A to point B to settlement. They may not need that for the first six months, so they'll take out just what they need for that first six months. So, whatever is the money in action, the money that's been funded out is the money that we charge a fee on. And that is all rolled into 
the fee that's taken out. So nothing has to be paid until settlement. Got it. Do you think, or have you been able to observe, if you have, judicial officers taking into consideration the fact that, A, you vetted this client and you found that they or their estate was worth taking on, and B, the fact that now not only the attorneys are into this, but now you guys are? Do, do, do judges look at that? I mean, I would if I were a judge and go, oh, this this person needs to get paid because they've got their attorneys, they've got NCC, they're really, really looking at this. we we got to help them, this woman or man out. Right. So if you take uh, a, a loan, a gift from your parents, from a friend, it's seen as a gift. Yeah. If you take out funding with new chapter capital, it's seen as something you're going to have to pay back. Right. It's it's not a gift. So judges certainly take that into consideration as well as uh, attorneys and judges take into consideration. If we're approving this client, we vetted it. We went through our underwriting, which is we've been doing it for many, many years, and our underwriters are the best in the business. They know what they're looking at, and if we're funding them, there is something there. I love this. So often I say to clients, like, don't ever say fair. This is not going to be fair. It seems like you make it a little bit more fair. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, we level that playing field. <laughs> tell tell our listeners what they can do now to prepare to fund their case. If they're sitting there listening and they're going, this sounds like something I'd really like to do, what would you say to them knowing that this is a little bit in advance? What would you tell them? Yeah, knowledge is power. Yes. So like a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout, always be prepared. So you touched upon it earlier. Absolutely know what your tax returns are, know your mortgage statements, know what you owe, what your assets and liabilities. The more you know, the more power you will have during that divorce. Financial freedom includes your credit, not just good credit, but the existence of a credit history, which less moneyed spouses may not have thought about during their marriage. My next guest is the expert on credit, so stay tuned. Get to Old Navy Saturday for 50% off all sweatshirts. Frost-free puffer vests for 15 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids, and leggings. Just 8 bucks for women, 5 bucks for girls. Saturday at Old Navy. Valid 10-5, select vests only. 50% off excludes in-store clearance, active and licensed. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get the True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. You're listening to Divorce Sucks. I'm your host, Laura Wasser, and today's show is about financing your divorce. And when we think of financing, we must also consider the parameters most lenders use to make the determination to lend. Unlike divorce financing that my first guest, Nicole Noonan's company, New Chapter Financial, might provide to an aspiring divorcee, traditional lenders have different criteria. And to explain the basics and some of the finer points of how your credit impacts traditional financial institutions' decisions to lend or to approve new credit cards in your own name post-divorce, allow me to introduce you to my next guest, a.k.a. the Credit Queen. 
She's the founder and CEO of Conquer Credit Management, Inc., which assists individuals and businesses in improving their credit and FICO scores. We'll find out what those are. Helps them reestablish credit and coaching clients to understand that their credit is an investment and a tool to rebuild wealth. She is the founder and CEO of Conquer Credit Management, Inc., which assists individuals and businesses in improving their credit and FICO scores, reestablishing credit, and coaching clients to understand that their credit is an investment tool to rebuild wealth. She also is the host of Your Credit Today podcast on Apple. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Angela Setters Bassard. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. Oh, God. I'm so psyched that you're here. And I'm so <laughs> actually like, you know, I can pretend like I know all this stuff, but like talking to Nicole and particularly talking to you, I was just explaining to somebody this morning my stepdaughter is visiting and she's in her 20s. And I'm like, oh. you need a credit card. You need to start establishing credit. Don't do yes. it through somebody else's. I have so many people that come to me. Generally, they are women. And they, and they, you know, they are the wealthiest, most sophisticated. They go to the Paris fashion shows. They yes. have, you know, cars and personal shoppers and could get a restaurant reservation anywhere. But they've never had their own credit card. They just have a card issued in their spouse's name and one in their name. And it gets paid through his office or business manager. Tell our listeners why that's not a good idea. Well, I I love that you're actually bringing this up because I think the best gift that we can give our children is financial literacy. And I think it's the biggest thing right now that's not out there. Yes. And the reason for that is technology. Uh, right. Technology is wonderful. I mean, it saves so much time. But at the end of the day, I tell this funny story about apps. So how easy it is to have a coffee app, right? Right. right. And so one day, my bookkeeper comes in to me and says, uh, excuse me, who is spending $250 on coffee? Oh, Jesus. And I had to raise my hand. Uh, that was me. And it was so easy because what happens is, is that you click a button on your phone and you buy your coffee. But they don't tell you what your balance is and they don't tell you how much you spent. So this generation, millennials, generation X, they have no concept of what credit really means and that it's a leverage tool. Right. What's the first thing you see when you walk into a college campus? You see a lot of banks and financial institutions touting credit cards. Well, when I'm 18 years old and someone says, hey, guess what? We're going to trust you. We want you to have $10,000 worth of credit. Hallelujah. $10,000 drinks are on me. Right. I'm not thinking about the compound interest that's going to come with that credit card. So I think it's wonderful that you are talking to, you said your niece? She's my stepdaughter. She, your stepdaughter. Yes. I think it's wonderful that you're actually having this conversation because I talk to so many people on a daily basis, even adults that have no concept of what really credit can do. We live in the U.S. and again, I'm going to go back and say they have this policy where they say, you know what? We're going to trust you. Right. You have really good credit. You want to buy that million dollar house. We know you don't have a million dollars in the bank, but you have really good credit. And you can prove that you've worked with a job for the last three years. Go ahead and buy that house. No problem. But what people don't realize is that what comes after that is responsibility. Right. And a lot of people don't understand, like you said in the beginning, what I always say is that your credit is an investment tool to build wealth. And you truly can build wealth, specifically in real estate, right. when you have really good credit. 
So explain it to me, like, or to my listeners, like we're fourth graders. What is credit? Why is that so important to have it? And why, I mean, you gave us the example of why it's important to have it. How do we get it? How do we start building credit? How can my 21-year-old stepdaughter begin to be building her credit? I think it's a great question. Um, the way that young adults can build their credit, I would always tell parents that it's really important to start your children when they're 16. Okay. Walk them into the bank. This is what I did with my boys. And why 16? Just because? Because this is the starting of learning. This is the starting of responsibility. Okay. Okay. You're in high school. Things are different. You're preparing for college. You're, You're saving pre- for a car. Right. Right. Well, we hope. Right. You know, I mean, unfortunately. Uber is the same problem as the coffee, right? (laughs) Right. And that's such another subject because I've talked to so many young adults that don't want to have cars because they'd rather take Uber and Lyft. And that's a whole nother story. But how you. That's the transportation. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But what I would say is to give young adults understanding of how they can build their credit and why it's so important. Because when you go out on your own. You want to buy your car on your own. You want to build up your credit because when you get out of college, you want to be able to sustain on yourself. You want to be able to buy the essentials of life. So when you are 16, what I say to parents is walk your child into the bank. Let's open up a bank account. Let's get them a custodial credit card. Custodial, why do I say that? Because the parents know the transactions that are happening on a daily or a monthly basis. They can sit down with them and they can train them. Oops, you made a mistake here. This is what you need to do. Med men, not okay. Right, exactly. (laughs) Hello. Yes. (laughs) Hello. Yes. So you can actually train them at a young age because what happens traditionally right now is that people don't learn until they start making mistakes. Right. So I would say 16, but let's just talk about your stepdaughter, who you said is 20? She's Well, she's 19. She's about to be 20. Okay, she's 19. So the best thing to do if you want to start her off with a bang Mm -hmm. and you want to start things off really fast Mm -hmm. is you can actually add her as an authorized user to one of your credit cards. Now, don't get upset. If you're listening, this is so not happening. Ah! (laughs) Well, hang on. Hang on. Let me me just tell you why it's a good idea and why you have nothing to fear. Okay. Okay. Does it build up my credit to have her buying things? It doesn't do anything to your credit. You're responsible for your own credit, your credit card. It's your credit card. But what's happening is is that she's piggybacking on your history. So if you've had a credit card for 20 years and you've done really well with that credit card and you've had good utilization, you've had good payment history, now that's going to report to her credit history as though she's had that same history. And how many people can piggyback? Is it like Wi-Fi where there's only, at a hotel, there's only so many people? Can I add her (laughs) and my son when he gets old enough? Because I know people that want to, specifically speaking about divorces, Mm I have so many people that come to me. I think that they're wives generally that have done that piggybacking thing. But do they have their own credit? Or if it's why, why don't these people have any of their own credit when they come to me and they've been married 20 years on the same card as their spouse? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But I want to stay on the, okay, the, okay. the, uh, the credit card so that you know for your stepdaughter. Right. So she never has to have the credit card. She never has to use the credit card. 
it's literally what's called an authorized user. So she in can. the event right. you wanted to authorize her to use that credit card, let's say she's going to Europe and you say, you know what, for the next month I want you to have access to this credit card, so I'm going to authorize you for the next 30 days to use the credit card. Here it is. Right. But you have the credit card in your possession. Right. So it's never that she gets to use it at her leisure. Right. She uses it when you want her to use it. But the cool thing is, is that that particular credit card is building her credit. Okay. So now she has that as a foundation starting point, and then she can get a secured credit card. Now, what is a secured credit card? Secured credit card is where you're going to a bank and you're putting on deposit, let's say, two to a thousand dollars. And then they're giving you credit on your own money. Got it. Okay. So there's not a big risk for them. Correct. And is there then what's like APR financing? Like, do we have to then pay interest on our own oh, money when we're borrowing yeah. it? Oh, we still yeah. do. Okay. It's it's a regular credit card. Okay. It's just less risk for the bank, uh-huh. but it's all good for the client because it's helping to build their credit. Right. And if students, um, and I call students, whether you're young or old, right. whether you're you know starting over or just starting. It's important that you have that cycle of using credit. Right. Now, after a year of having that secured card, then we can graduate to a regular credit card. Right. And you can get your money back. Now, let me ask you a question as a mom, not so much about my stepdaughter or my kids. What mm-hmm. about the fact that I've got a credit card and I've got an authorized user in household employees? If I've got a housekeeper who uses it or a nanny mm-hmm. who uses it, are we building their credit by having their names on the card? Yes, you are. Really? Absolutely. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. And the cool thing is, is that let's just say you want to automatically take them off. Right. Okay. All you have to do is call the credit card company and say, I want to take X, Y, and Z off the credit card. They will no longer be an authorized user and it will come off of their credit report. What are some of the biggest credit mistakes pre and post marriage? So the pre-divorce plan of attack, let's say you are starting to think about this and you don't want to be caught necessarily with your pants down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Give us your six steps, Angela, to protect your credit profile. So Whenever I'm sitting down with a couple that is going through a divorce, one of the things that I say is, is A, important, is to pull a copy of your credit report. Okay. You want to see what's reporting. Because and can we get those anywhere? I always see ads. Yeah. You can do it right on your phone. Are all of sure. those companies, you know, they're good companies. You, they'll, they'll give you the accurate credit score? Huh. Oh. Accuracy, we're going to just put that on the sidebar. Okay. <laughs> okay. But – Anywhere you go online, there are hundreds of companies that will give you access to your credit reports. Okay. But the cool thing is, is that you can get a free copy of all three credit reports once a year by going to annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com, guys. And there's three. I remember this from when I bought my house. What are the three different ones? Yes. There's Experian, which, you know, for those older folks is formerly known as TRW. Okay. There's TransUnion and then there's CBI Equifax. So these okay. are the three main repository companies that have your information and data. And you want to have a copy of your credit report because I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this before, how many times I'm sitting across the table from someone and the spouse who is the housewife has never, ever known the lines of credit that are out there, anything that's reporting on their credit report. Right what they are responsible for. And so, and if you are married to somebody and you are on his or her cards, then you are going to be piggybacking, whether you like it or not, on some of those credit reports. Yes. Well, it would depend because there's two ways to be on a credit card. You're either an authorized user where you have no fiduciary responsibility. Okay. Okay. 
or you are a joint cardholder. Got it. Now, that's the first thing when I'm sitting down with people pre marital conversations right, right. is that what you need to understand is that you have and maintain your own separate credit identity and let's keep it that way and the reason for that is is in the event something happens right you know we're not going to talk about divorce before you get married right but at the same time what if someone gets sick what if something happens you want to make sure that you have the other one to fall back on okay and in this particular case when someone's going through divorce if you did that from the beginning right you wouldn't be worrying about some of these problems going into the divorce. All right. So talk to us about paying off the debt and that kind of stuff. So paying off debt in the event that you're stuck holding the bag, number one, that's why it's important to pull your credit report. So why we were talking about pulling your credit report right. is having an understanding of what kind of debt is out there and what you need to plan for. Got it. Okay. So the number two is separate your joint accounts and why. Okay. Again, we just talked about the two different types of accounts that you can have. You can have an authorized user credit card, which in the event, if you are an authorized user, and that's the only type of credit cards that you have, guess what? You have no fiduciary responsibility to those credit cards, so said spouse will be responsible for making those payments. Wow. But if you are a joint card holder, then you have just as much responsibility as they do. And if you let things go into collections, you let them go to charge off, and eventually if these banks or financial institutions want to file a judgment against you, you will be on the hook and be responsible for paying that. Got it. So we said here during your divorce separation uh, plan, you can talk to your creditors about separating your credit cards. That's a really good one. I and are, love this. They will let you do that? If I Absolutely. call up MasterCard, they will be cool and say, yes, you can separate this. So listen, so if you've had a credit card, you've been married for 20 years and you've had a joint credit card together, you just give your bank a call and say, listen, I'm in the middle of a divorce. I want to keep and maintain my relationship with your bank. Can you give me my own credit card? You and your soon-to-be ex-spouse can figure out, you know, I'm responsible for this much, you're responsible for this. And Miles, you can figure all that out, guys, but make that call. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You definitely want to ascertain what's owed and what credit cards and what lines of credit are out there before things get nasty. Right. And then number three, make sure any authorized user accounts are removed and updated. Again, that's super important. Can't tell you how many times I have conversations. Someone's been uh, divorced for over 10 years and the other spouse never refinanced the house. Now they've got late payments on the mortgage. Right. And my poor sweetie is crying because she's trying to buy a house. And there's nothing you can do. Right. Because you didn't take care of that right. 10 years ago. Or his new <laughs> girlfriend is now using the card that you're the... Uh, yeah. It's, you just get it straight. I've, I've got a lot of clients who, for whatever reason, had a lot of users on their account, mm -hmm. especially entertainment industry people. You've got all the staff members, the assistant, the PA, all these things. And now all of a sudden, you're getting divorced and his staff is still on your card. Yes. Separate them. This Absolutely. is an important thing to look at, figure out, get all of the answers that you need and then start attacking the questions. Yeah, it's super, super important. I can't tell you how important that is. And again, going back to the pulling the credit report to find out where they are. And number four, how will joint property affect one's credit history for future buying power? Again, I just made that, for instance, right. of my friend or my client who 10 years later is still on the home. So it will affect it. Absolutely. Take care of it. But here's the thing. 
in the middle of the divorce or as a part of the agreement that you have, what you have to agree is, okay, who's going to keep the house? Right. Whoever's keeping the house, you need to refinance it out of said spouse's name and take them off title, and now they own the home on their own. Now, I've seen a lot of banks say that they don't want to do that because they don't want to let the deep pockets off the hook. Mm -hmm. What do you do about that, Angela? Well, I don't know if it's the deep pockets. I think a lot of it sometimes is the fact that the other spouse has not built up their credit history because they've never had a need to. They've always depended on the other spouse because they were the income driver. Okay. So again, ladies out there, listen to this. It's very important to have your own credit identity. Okay, super important. Okay, so number five, removing my ex from my credit profile completely. So when you look at your credit history, there's many different factors that come up. You've got addresses, AKAs, and then of course, who you've been associated to. So anybody's credit card that you've been an authorized user on or a joint a joint card holder, their name is going to show up on your credit report. Uh-huh. Now, buying the fact that you've actually looked at a copy of your credit report and done the homework that you need to do to take yourself off of those credit cards, there's no need for that ex-spouse to be on your credit report any longer. And you can get him or her off? Absolutely. Who do you have to call to do that? You have to contact all three agencies. Okay. So it's really important to also maintain your personal data on all three credit agencies to make sure that things are updated. Right. Specifically, again, if you're going through divorce and now you haven't had to work all of these years, now you have to go into the professional uh, industry. You know, you need to have a good credit report because if you plan to go in the financial world, they're going to pull your credit history. Right. And you need to make sure that everything is up to date and on target. So what if we're in a really volatile divorce? How do we protect our credit and personal information from him or her doing that to us, from our about-to-be ex? So there's this wonderful thing that's called freezing my credit report. Okay. It's so awesome. So you can cut the outside world off from pulling your credit history, seeing a copy of your history, doing anything to it until you give someone authorization to do so. Wow. How do you do that? Super easy. Call the three companies again? You can do it right online. You can freeze your credit. Now, the pain in the ass, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) about that is, is that if you don't remember that you have your credit on freeze and you go, you know, I have this whole story. I actually went to go and buy a car. This was a couple of years ago. And I walk in and I'm sitting with the finance manager and he's like, um... Your license plate says credit queen. I'm assuming you do something in credit. Yeah, I do. Well, you have no credit. Oh my gosh, I I forgot to unlock my credit. Wait, can we just back (laughs) up to the fact that your license plate says credit queen? Yes, I love that. (laughs) So now, does your company, Angela, all of this, you've made it really simple, bite sized pieces. That's what we're about at the Divorce Sucks podcast. Mm -hmm. However, if I am going through a divorce and I am totally overwhelmed and I can't even begin to remember what the second name of the company was I'm supposed to call and all that, do we call you guys? Absolutely. I and can you do it help all for us you. Out. You, Make help, it you get in there, you fix our credit, you get him off of it. Yes. You maybe pay some of the bills for us. No. No. Okay. You don't do that. okay. Just <laughs> that we I wanted to see do. how far it went. Okay. <laughs> but you can help us clean that up. Absolutely. And are you And come up with a plan of action. Yes. I think that's where people fail. Is yes. They never act. And they never make a plan. Says the woman whose credit remained frozen. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Oh well, you know God. what they say, the son of the, of the cobbler never wears shoes. So that, that yeah, would make sense Yeah, but don't forget, to me. when he did pull my credit, it was 800 girls. Oh, girl. So, okay. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
That's why she froze it right there. Exactly. All right. Nicole's going to come back in and join Angela and me for a little roundtable discussion about gender, finances, and how men and women think differently about credit and money. Crowned the fairy godmother of divorce by the New York Post's Julia Marsh, Nicole Noonan, who is an advocate for the protection of women and men and their rights, is joining Angela Setters Bassard, also known as the Credit Queen, and I to discuss the ways gender impacts financial decisions today. It's like a Disney movie, the fairy godmother of divorce and the Credit Queen. To both of you guys, with the evolving demographics that define our new normal, stay-at-home dads, same-sex marriages, millennials who are more likely to cohabit than they are to get married, what are some of the gender-specific trends you see as modern couples separate? We've both, we've spoken today, I think a lot of our clients are women, and sometimes it's the women that need a little bit more help with this stuff. But Mm. tell us what are some of the trends that you've seen, given what we all see in terms of families and how people deal with their money. I've seen a trend towards more men actually coming to us, more of the stay-at-home dads uh, that I get the calls from where they are the ones that you know took a, a leave of absence from their careers to raise the family. And they're the ones that need the funding. They help support their wives, which applause, but the wives cut them off. From their credit cards, just like men. So mm-hmm. you can be a dick as long as you're making yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what gender you are. It doesn't matter if you have a dick. Yeah. Okay, yeah. What if, what, Angela, what about you? What have you seen? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was hilarious. <laughs> Again, going back to making sure that you have your own identity. Yes. I think that what yeah. happens is in marriage, in relationship, no matter what you're doing, is when you're coming together, you're trying to make an identity together. And doing that with credit is such a mistake. So what I always tout is make sure that you maintain your own financial stability. I'm not saying that you have to keep it separate, okay? You can do it together, but know what's going on. You know, don't be in the dark and put it all on one person. That's another thing that I see all the time is there's one person in the relationship that's handling all the finances. And the other person is like hands off or I don't want to know about it. That's the worst thing that you can do because then when it comes time to call the piper, you're behind on the learning curve. I mean, I speak on panels all the time and it was before always women's panels talking about why women abdicate responsibility about money. But now I'm definitely finding it's equaling out. Oh, more. Yes, and the point is, hey, it's great gals that you're taking the power and you're making the money and all that. But all people need to be responsible for what's going on in their financial world. Yeah, it's important to have agreement. Yes, that's the thing. That's the at the end of the day, it's important in any relationship, in any business to have agreement. And I'll tell you this, from where I sit, it keeps relationships together. If only one person's worrying about the money and the other person's out spending, that creates a problem. There's going to be resentment there. Either one person's withholding money, one person's spending too much. If you're both in this together, you're in a much better situation and you will probably be able to work through any financial or otherwise problems that you have. No, you will be able to work through because you have that communication. You have an agreement set in place. Yes. See, this is she's very positive about working through stuff. So what's the number one thing? I'm a little less positive. <laughs> seeing the other side. Number one. Right. We totally are on the same page about money, but for some reason, she keeps sleeping with the tennis instructor that we're paying to teach our kids tennis. Um, what would you say, Angela, is the one takeaway from today is from your perspective? What's the one thing our listeners should take away? 
the one thing that our listeners should take away is to monitor their credit. Yes. To pull a copy of your credit history, know what's going on. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> having a hot flash right now because I have no idea what my credit score is. And I'm like, how do I figure, how soon can I break away and figure yeah. it out? Okay. No, seriously, it's one of the most important things because I get calls on a daily basis with people that have been a victim of identity theft. And it's because we're not taking the responsibility. No one can protect you against identity theft. There are apps and, and companies out there that can flash a light on it and say, hey, pay attention. This is what's going on. But the only person that knows about one's credit history is you. You know the credit cards you've uh, taken out. You know the lines of credit you have. You know the mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. So the one takeaway that I would say is wake up America. You must monitor your credit so that you know what's going on. You know what your FICO score is. And for you that are going through divorce, it's important to pull out that credit history so that you see what you're responsible for. And for those that are married now, do it now. Whether you're getting divorced or not, you're not jinxing it. Just check it out. Absolutely. Nicole, what about you? Knowledge is power. Yes. The one takeaway I would say I actually had a client that I asked, what is your mortgage? And she said to me, what is a mortgage? What is a mortgage? No I idea. I love that. I love that right. though. So, I would just love to be that person. How do you live? By the way, back into my Disney movie, there's little birds flying around. <laughs> yes. I have no mortgage. I just walk outside and sing in the morning. With a tennis exactly. instructor. So that- <laughs> <laughs> okay. We carved out the last few minutes so I can swear you both in for the divorce sucks interrogatories. Are you ready? Ready. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Okay. So, um, Nicole, first, what is your relationship status? I am happily married, and I just celebrated my seventh anniversary. Ah, In my world, that's good. I know. (laughs) Long time. (laughs) I have a feeling we're going to have more, though, over here. Angela, how long have you been married? I've been married for 24 years. Damn, girl. That's good. Incredible. How many? Three kids? I have three kids. We've been together for 30 years, and he is my partner also in business. Okay. So we eat, sleep, and drink each other. Oh. Oh. My. Kind of sexy, but kind of gross. Okay. All right. Angela, what's your favorite breakup song? Ooh. See, she's been married 24 years. She doesn't even have a favorite breakup song. Breakup song. Oh my gosh! I don't even know. Gosh, I we got you could have borrowed one in a cold. I had so many <laughs> that I had to narrow it down. All right, so Katy Perry's War. Yes. Oh no. no. Yeah. Empowerment. Casey Musgraves. High Horse. Okay. And what's love got to do with yes. it? By Tina Turner. Tina Turner. There the you queen go. of breakups. Angela, how I, about just a Mad at the Husband for the Weekend song? Oh, that would have to be Ice Cube. Okay. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm in my car and I'm like rapping. <laughs> you know, like. You better check yourself or you wreck yourself because I'm bad for your health. We won't say the words I'm using. <laughs> say the words if you want it because, to. Because, yeah, even though I've been married all those years, doesn't mean we don't have problems. That is but right. we just. We just a get little to the ice table cube and, and you get right through it. Yes. Okay. So, Angela, what would you say to cheer up a friend going through a breakup? Check your credit score. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say to a friend that's going through a breakup? And let me tell you, I um, had a few. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of life coaching in my life. So, life coaching in my life. Um, but the thing that I tell people that are going through a breakup is, you know, try to look at what your life is going to be like without this person, and don't go into that deep dark place. Yeah, you know, yep. you've really got to empower yourself. 
look yourself in the mirror, tell yourself you're going to be okay. And it's hard for, I think, a lot of women, at least, to see themselves without their partner. Yes. You know, and uh, I think that's why it's important that when you are married or in any relationship that you take inventory to work on yourself. Right. And so now this is just an opportunity for you to work on you. So maintain your financial identity, your credit identity, and your true self-identity. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the that. rest will fall in place once you have this yes. under control. Uh, mind, by right. the way, because I know you can't head. see. <laughs> Nicole, what would you say? So I'd say the same thing I, I said to my clients in my own practice. Don't disparage your ex, especially Ooh. if you have children. Yes. Um, makes you look bad. As, yes. You know, not just them. Um, and confidence is key. So hold your head up high, be the bigger person, and move on with your life. That's right. Okay. And on that note, which rom-com could you watch on repeat? Again, I had a bunch of them. But my favorite, Intolerable Cruelty. I just watched that the uh, other night. I thought it was so funny. The guy that's down in his office hooked up to all the tubes, yes. and he's just saying the numbers. And George oh, Clooney. And George Clooney's teeth. <laughs> George Cleese oh had their own credit, you know. Exactly. Amazing. Okay, what about you? Well, are you talking about movies? Because my favorite movie is The Notebook. Yes, that is a good rom-com. That is yes. so, like... When they're in the rain. And oh, my gosh. Just, oh. Yeah. Okay, so all right. Those sequels. are good. Yes. yes. I love that scene. Okay. Nicole, thank you for flying all the way from New York City to join us today. Yes. 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 New York's the in the house. <laughs> the service yes. your company, New Chapter Capital, provides less moneyed spouses, makes such a profound difference in their dissolutions, and I'm so happy our listeners know about you. I would love you to join us on the It's Over Easy Index. And Angela, thank you for joining us and for your company, Conquer Credit Management, being a part of our index already, where listeners can find you to help them build or rebuild their credit scores during and after a breakup or divorce. We salute you both. Tell our listeners where they can find more information about your companies. Nicole. www.newchaptercapital.com or on our Twitter at Nicole Noonan 5 or, and Nicole is N-I-C-O-L-E-N-O-O-N-A-N-5. And our Instagram at Divorce Funding. That's it. Awesome. Thank Angela? You. ConquerCredit.com is our website. Um, I also do a weekly podcast, which is called Your Credit Today, which is on iTunes. Tune in and learn more about what you can do to maintain a high FICO score. It is precisely and indisputably inevitable that the more relationships there are, the more relationship dissolutions there will be. I'm Laura Wasser, the host of Divorce Sucks, and together with the community at It's Over Easy, we're making the legal part of divorce suck a little bit less. Thanks for listening. Get to Old Navy Saturday for 50% off all sweatshirts. Frost-free puffer vests for 15 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids, and leggings. Just 8 bucks for women, 5 bucks for girls. Saturday at Old Navy. Valid 10-5, select vests only. 50% off excludes in-store clearance, active and licensed.